Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. He is so merciful that he made us a part of his plan. Glory to God. God has a plan, and you're in it. (laughs) Hallelujah. Think about that. God has a plan for the ages, and we're part of that. We're part of his plan. Glory to God. Some people have the idea, you hear people say this sometimes, well, you know, I I, I can't get along without the Lord. He can get along without me, but I can't get along without him. That's not really true. He'll find a substitute if he has to for you, but God cannot get along without us. We're part of his plan. Hallelujah. We're part of his plan. He has a plan for this day in which we live. And the church is the center piece of his plan. I said the church is the centerpiece of God's plan for this age right now that we're living in. The church is the centerpiece. It is the main deal. It is the centerpiece of what God's doing in the world today. His plan for this age centers around the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo, hallelujah. People say, well, I thought Jesus was the centerpiece. Yes, and we are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, he's in heaven, but we're on the earth. And Jesus as the head of the church can do nothing without his body. I said he can do nothing without his body. You see, Jesus humbled himself and became a man. We know that he was born as a little baby into into this earth, born of a woman, born just as a little dependent baby, couldn't do anything for himself, just as helpless as any baby that's ever been born. He came into this earth to live in our place to to submit himself to everything about us. All of our experiences, all of what it means to be a human being, to experience all of that, to live all of that out every day, just like you do. Just boring days, exciting days, eventful days, forgetful days. I'm talking about days you'd want to forget, you know. I'm t- All of those days of our lives, Jesus plodded along in this life, just beside us, living just the same life we would have to live, praise God. Of course, without sin, we know that. But, but in, every, in every point, tempted as we are. Hallelujah. When Jesus ascended into heaven... He did not stop being a human being. He did not cease to be a man. Now listen to me. 
Jesus, when he ascended into heaven and sat down at the Father's right hand, he did not cease to be a man. People, human beings who reside in heaven, my loved ones, your loved ones, people, Christians that have gone before, in heaven, they don't, people in heaven don't have the authority they had in the earth. They're not in the earth, they're in heaven. So, well, Jesus is God. Yes, he is, but he's also a man. And at the Father's right hand, even as God, he has forever, the Bible says there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He will always be a man. He humbled himself. He, he uh, uh, was made in, in, the, in the image of men, made like men. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross, offered himself up as a sacrifice for sin. He was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He's been highly exalted, but he's still a man. Because he's a man, he doesn't have the authority here that people here have. Are you listening to me? He cannot by himself affect the things that go on in the earth. He needs the church to do that. And that's why we're not separate from, if we were separate from him, if he was in heaven and he could not uh, make the, have the influence in the earth that he could have when he was here because he's no longer here, he's a man that's left here. If we were not joined to him, we'd be in a mess. We'd be absolutely in a, in a total mess because in ourselves, we wouldn't have the ability to, to affect this world. Even with the authority that we have as human beings, because we're here, because we've been born into the earth, we carry a certain amount of authority in this realm. Well, even with that, if, if we were on our own, and if we weren't joined with him, we wouldn't have the, the ability to, to exercise that kind of authority like we need to. But you see, we've been joined to him. He's the head. He's the one with the ability. We're the one who are here. He's not here. We are. We don't have the ability. He does. And it's perfectly, those two things have been perfectly melded together. Perfectly fused together. Oh, hallelujah. And as he is, so are we in this earth. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of what God's doing today because without us, he can do nothing in this earth. That's, that's, a, that's a very uh, notable thing. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. Now, you see, the, sovereign, the sovereignty people, they get all upset when you talk like that. Well, bless God. God is still God, and he can do whatever ever he wants to. Why can't he make you straighten up? <laughs> he can do what you know. He wants you to be better than you are. Why doesn't he make you? Well, hallelujah. 
God is sovereign in heaven. He's not sovereign here. He's sovereign in heaven. He's not sovereign over the things that he has that he has delegated to man. He has delegated to man a certain degree of sovereignty in this earth. That's exactly what he did when he told Adam and Eve, you go and you be fruitful and you multiply and you have dominion over this whole earth. When he did that, he delegated a portion of his sovereignty. What would go on here would be up to man. And that's why God has always worked through men. All through the Old Testament, he worked through men to bring about his will in the earth until eventually he brought the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. We're part of that plan. Every one of us are part of God's plan. Hallelujah. This doesn't have anything to do with what I'm going to talk about this morning, but it's just good. Praise God. We're part of his plan. Oh, hallelujah. And we're not just incidental parts of his plan. We're not just extras in the cast. (laughs) We all have important, specific, ordained parts to carry out in this plan. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Think about the grace of God. It would take take all of God's grace to pull that off. To entrust so much to so many with so little to work with. Only the grace of God could pull that off. That's why there's grace abundant, abundant, above and beyond. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. We're part of his plan. Are you out there today? <laughs> oh, thank God. I'm just thrilled to be born again. I'm so, I'm so glad I'm washed in the precious blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Redeemed. Purchased. Bought, glory to God, translated out of the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of God, over into the family of God, over into the church of God. Oh, hallelujah. You're not an ordinary person. You're not an ordinary person. Hallelujah. You've You've been chosen by God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We're part of his plan. He's working his plan among us. Praise the Lord. I better get started here. Hallelujah. I just want to talk about uh, this year. This year's been an awesome year. Amen. Hallelujah. What a tremendous year we've had. 2015 has been a tremendous year. It's been one of the most exciting years uh, I've experienced. Pastoring. Glory to God. It's been an awesome, it's been a year of revival. Now, you, you look around today and you think, well, where is it? You know, where a lot of people are out on, you know, on holiday, you know, they're out of town and so forth. But, uh, you know, we're in revival. And uh, even though they don't act like it sometimes when you start on Sunday morning, we are, praise God. Amen. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. We, we uh, you know, this year has just been characterized and everything about it has been about revival and uh, what God's doing uh, in, in the church, in the nation, in the world. And uh, just give you a little, a little uh, review of this year. Now, you have to go back a little bit, back to October the 13th in 2013, a little over two years ago. Uh, on a Sunday night, as we were worshiping the Lord, uh, I received a revelation from the Spirit of God concerning a coming awakening, an awakening that was coming to our nation, a turning, a fresh visitation uh, of God's Spirit and power. And I, w- I know I've read this before, but I want to read it again because it's, it's, uh, it set the tone. It took us a little while to catch hold of it, but we finally got it, praise God. This was in October, October the 13th of twenty. Uh, 13, uh, I said, there is coming to, this was just what the Spirit of God showed me, there is coming to America a fresh visitation of God. There is coming to this nation a fresh visitation of God's power and of God's Spirit. And churches that have seen their membership and their attendance dwindle will see the crowds returning again. We're moving into a time again where church houses that respect and honor the move of the Spirit will be filled again like they once were. Sunday night services will be filled like Sunday morning services. There is coming a hunger. Everybody say hunger. There is coming a hunger upon the people of this land and there is an inflow into the family of God in these last days and there is a move of God on. Now the enemy will fight this and darkness in our nation and around the world will grow worse. Men will grow darker still. Boy, we've seen that, haven't we? And the power of the devil will multiply But at the same time, God is raising up a standard in these last days. And the people of God will arise like never before. Move in the power of the Spirit of God. And there will be a great awakening and a turning to the Lord in this nation. And not just in salvation, but a return to the Lord and a turning to the Spirit of God. There will be church services that are conducted. And the enemy will send people into these church services to do harm. People with guns. People will come into church services intending to do harm and the Spirit of God will stop it. They'll be unable to move and unable to operate and it will be by the standard of the Spirit of God in these last days and it will come to pass. Hallelujah. This will come about as a result of prayer. The Spirit of the Lord is saying He has not turned a deaf ear to the prayers of His people and the prayers of the saints have ascended to Him particularly praying for this nation. And for a turn spiritually in this nation. And those prayers will be answered. God is not unfaithful to forget or to not answer the prayers of his people. And services, like I said, on Sundays. People will be packing out houses of worship where the spirit of the Lord is in manifestation. And where the word of God is ministered. But it's not just Sundays, Wednesday night services, special prayer services like we have on Monday night. People will fill church auditoriums to get involved in what God's doing in these last days. I'm telling you, church, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Glory to God. Before Jesus returns, there will be a powerful witness in this earth. Glory to God. So don't be discouraged. Don't look at the world. Don't look at the nation. Don't look at the things going on and be discouraged. Know that God has a plan. That's how that tied in. 
God has a plan. And he will move again in ways that our hearts have longed for for a long time. Oh, it's coming, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, that was in, in October of 2013. And uh, we have prayer, you know, as you know, on Monday nights here. And um, we prayed about this visitation uh, sort of sporadically, uh, you know, over, over the next year, but not like we should have. Every now and then we'd pick it up and pray about it, you know, one, one Monday night. And then we wouldn't pray about it again for, you know, a month or two. And, and, uh, but then in the fall of 2014, the Lord uh, started talking to me about this. And he said, you know, you're not, you're not having the church pray about what I showed you like you should. It's not going to come to pass unless you pray it out. Somebody has to pray it out. That was in the fall of 2014, uh, about a year after, after we had gotten this. Uh, and so picking up then in the fall of, 24, of 2014, we, we, we began to pray about it more regularly. Almost every Monday night we would, would pray about this throughout the fall uh, into the end of the year. And then uh, this past January, uh, in fact on January the 11th in a Sunday morning service, we were having a, a, a move of the Spirit and, and I just sensed that Pastor Greg had something to share. And so I, I said, Greg, you know, come, come, you have something. He, he said, no, I don't think so. I don't think I have anything. I said, well, you do. Come on up here. And uh, he said when he got up here, he didn't feel like he had anything until he walked up here. And he said when he walked up here, he saw, he saw a vision. And he said he saw a great wind of the Spirit blowing. And he said it wasn't a, a, a light wind. It was a fierce wind that, shake thing, that shakes things up and moves things around. And uh, he said, the Lord said to him, it's time to get ready to be moved. For there is coming a wind that will take us from where we are to where we need to be. But we must be willing to move with it. So now is the time to let loose of the things that would limit your ability to move with the Spirit. There is a wind coming and you must be ready to move with it when it comes. God, he said, God wants to do some things and change is needed. And that was in uh, January, on January the 11th of this year. And uh, so uh, we just sensed that something, something was going on. So we, uh, uh, Pastor Angela and I went out to, good to have Morgan with us today. We went out to Pastor Dufresne, uh, 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 what's her name? Uh, Nancy, Pastor Nancy Dufresne's church. <laughs> On uh, on uh, in, D- in January of that year of last of this year, and on the twenty fifth, I preached a, a, a message in the Sunday morning service out there, and I I preached on seven scriptural reasons why I expect a major end time move of the Holy Spirit, and when I preached that, I didn't have revival as we see it now. I didn't have that in view. I was seeing something in my mind that was further away, further down the road. That you know could come at any time, but I didn't. I didn't present it, or at least in in the way I perceived it, I didn't perceive it as something that was about to break open. And I think I only mentioned the word revival maybe once or twice. But again, I wasn't thinking in terms of of revival like like what's happened. But I made the statement. I said, you know, when revival happens, if you study church history, you'll notice that revival almost always comes from the people, the lay people, it almost never comes from the preachers. 
the preachers have their role of getting the church ready. But when revival breaks out, it always seems to break out among the lay people. And, uh, and that's really about all I said about revival because I really wasn't thinking uh, in terms of, of revival. Uh, even though we had had this word about this awakening and this visitation. And uh, so that was in January. That was January 25th. I preached that on a Sunday morning. And, and then about that same time, though, right here, late January, our, our youth were getting ready for winter retreat. They went on winter retreat February the 4th through the 8th. So they were getting ready for winter retreat, and some of the young men were praying about uh, winter retreat, and God began to stir them up. And revival really started taking hold in their hearts about the same time uh, that, uh, that I had, you know, I was in California, we came back. And so they went on the winter retreat, February the 4th through the 8th. And uh, like I said, revival was already stirring among uh, some of these young, young people. And then during the retreat, it just broke out. And uh, how many of you remember when, the, when they came back and had the youth service? They came back and... and uh, I think we had something else going uh, the next week. But anyway, two weeks later, we had a youth service. And the youth got up and some of the singles got up and began to share what God was, was saying to them and doing. And revival moved from the youth group into the church. You remember that? I mean, it was just as distinct uh, as, as turning a switch on. It just happened one night, one Sunday night, there it was. And revival jumped over on the church. Praise God. And... Uh, and so uh, I went out then that week to Tulsa for a couple of days, went out to Winter Bible Seminar, just got in for a couple of days out there, and lo and behold, they were talking about revival. And, uh, and so I came home, and on Sunday, the 22nd of February, on Sunday morning and Sunday night, I taught uh, two, two installments of a message, we must have revival. And, uh, and that was February the 22nd. Now, I left for a ski vacation later that week. And so I was out the next Sunday. I was out in, in, uh, in Colorado. Unbeknownst to me, some of you were praying me out of death while I was out there. I didn't know that. Keeping me alive. And uh, so I came home and, and a couple of days later ended up in the hospital. So I was out the next Sunday after that with, uh, you know, getting some, some uh, stents put in my coronary arteries. And so... Uh, after a couple of weeks, I took a couple of weeks off and, and uh, I had received, back in February, I had received an invitation to preach in Canada and I had accepted it and I was planning to go, I think, sometime in late March and I think was the date we had set up and uh, because this had happened to me, uh, you know, I contacted that pastor, I said, can we put this off a couple more weeks, give me a chance to kind of get my strength back, you know, and get back up to 100%, he said that was fine. And so through mid-March, from mid-March through April, I preached a series on what are the characteristics of revival or what does revival look like on a person. Remember that? So I preached that from uh, mid-March through April. Then on April 25th and 26th, Pastor Angela and I were in Canada and I preached on revival in Canada. Now the interesting thing about it was the pastor called me like a week before we went out there and, and he said, now... Pastor Anderson, he said, I've never, I never tell people what to preach on. When they come to my church, when I invite somebody to come, I, I expect that they have enough sense to be led of the Lord and will know what to preach on. And so I, but I'm, I'm going to make an exception this time. I, I'm wondering, could you preach on revival? Well, I thought that was real interesting because I really, the only place I had preached on revival was here. 
And right here, now I had mentioned, just kind of offhand, had mentioned, said the word revival maybe once in that, in that message I'd preached in California when the pastor was present. And I said, well, actually, that's what I planned on preaching on. So I went to Canada, and, and we were there in the last of April and uh, preached on, on revival. And then we came home, and from May through June, I preached a series on faith for the last days. Or you could say faith for a revival. And, uh, and then June, uh, on June the 16th through the 18th, we, we went back out to California. And I preached three services there in, in uh, the camp meeting in California, the Dufresne's Church. And I preached on revival is here and characteristics of revival. And I, I, at that time, I had just be, begun to see that perhaps, maybe, the Lord was giving me an assignment that I should, because, you know, I'd been asked to preach on revival in Canada and, and, uh, and I preached on revival here. I mean, in, you know, in our church and I preached on it in California then. And I just began to see, well, maybe the Lord's given me an assignment just, you know, to preach on revival and kind of spread uh, the, the idea of revival. And so we preached out there. And, you know, go with me over to Acts chapter 26. 26. Acts 26, as you know, there's some verses here that, uh, comprise our church vision, <clears throat> and uh, these are words that the Lord Jesus spoke to the apostle Paul while he was Saul at the time, Saul of Tarsus, when he appeared to him in verse 20, uh, 15, it says, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Verse 16 says, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. And, of course, we understood this by the Spirit of God that he was giving us this passage, passage of Scripture as our church vision. And so it talked about uh, being a minister and a witness of the things we had seen and of the things that he would yet reveal to us. And so he was showing us some things about revival that, uh, that uh, we, were, we were going to be responsible for and uh, it, it was an assignment we have uh, to, to preach on revival and to share that. So uh, then in late June through August, I preached, I came back here, I preached on revival praying. And that was, I preached 18 services on revival praying from late June through August. Then in September through October, mid-October, I preached on the coming restoration, the series. October the 25th, Pastor Angel and I went to Panama City Beach, Florida, and I preached two services there, an introduction to revival and several script, seven scriptural reasons why I expect a major end-time revival. I could only cover it lightly, you know, in two services, you can't really do everything. Uh, and, and then came home, and then in November and December, I've been preaching on our authority in Christ. Well, it's, it's been a, a year, and the focus has been revival. All this year, in, in, in my messages here, in places that I've gone, I'll be in California next month. I don't know if I'll be asked to preach there or not, but if I am, I'll, I'll likely preach on some aspect of revival. Uh, in February, I'm going to Georgetown, Texas, which is a suburb of, of Austin. And, uh, and then in April, I'll be going to Elk River, Minnesota. And uh, if, if the Lord leads us, well, of course, I'll preach on whatever he wants me to or whatever the pastor wants me to preach on, but, but uh, probably be preaching on revival. I tell you what, the, the church is in a time of refreshing. 
a time of revival. But we understand that we're only in the early stages of it. And that it's, it's, it has been prophesied by so many people and it, and it fits the scriptural pattern that before the Lord Jesus returns, there will be a revival, an epic revival. A revival of epic proportion, epic characteristics. There will be a, a demonstration of God's power and glory that is greater than anything that's ever happened before. And it's been, like I said, it's been prophesied by uh, a lot of people. But in January of this year, when I was preaching out in California, I made reference to that. But I said, you know, the, the, the thing is, I have seven scriptural reasons to expect that. And so even though men and women have prophesied of it, you don't base your theology on what other people prophesy. You base your theology on the word of God. And based on the word of God, I can see that before Jesus returns, there has to be, there has to be a harvest. Because the Bible says that, that, the, that the Lord is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And he's waiting to receive the early and the latter rain. So there has to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we gave seven reasons and I won't go into all of those. But uh, uh, we have not seen, not even we've not even scratched the surface yet of what God is going to do in these last days. We've, we've, it's way beyond what we can imagine right now. We've not seen the things that the Lord showed us in, in uh, October of 2013. We've not seen all. There, it's not, all of that's not come to pass, but it will come to pass. Hallelujah. So what can we do about it going forward into this next year, into 2016? Well, you know, I've got just a few things that I wanted to mention to you here. Remember that revival is personal. Revival is always personal. First and foremost, it's personal. It isn't about what God's doing elsewhere. Most importantly, it's about what God is doing in me and in you. Revival is always based on what God is doing in us. Because what he's doing elsewhere and how revival is spreading elsewhere is just spreading among people who are experiencing the same thing internally in them. Revival is a personal thing. And uh, when you understand that, then you realize that revival has to be nurtured. Revival elsewhere, like nationally and, 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 and worldwide, is carried and advanced uh, by revival that's in people. It's, it's the revival that is flowing and, and taking place in the hearts of individual believers. Personal. It, it's when revival is personal in people's lives, that's when it spreads to other people. And... Uh, you know, when I, I, I talked to Tony Cook, a friend of mine, back sometime in the, in the fall, I guess, early fall, and I was talking to him about revival and what was going on in our church and, and uh, just telling him, you know, what we were experiencing. And he said, well, Edwin, when you, talk, when you say revival, 
Uh, he said, what I think about, he was glad to hear about it. He hadn't really heard about it, but he, he was thrilled, you know, for us. And he said, when I think of revival, the word that comes to mind is hunger. He said, to me, that's what, that's the chief characteristic of revival. And if you remember, that was either point number one or point number two in my list of characteristics of revival. He said, when I think of revival, I think of hunger. And that's what revival is all about. Hunger for God, the pursuit of God. Those things are the most fundamental characteristics of revival. It's about putting God above everything else in your life. It's about, about God being more important and being the focus. It, revival is about other things that, that take control of your lives, that tend to dominate your thinking and your, and your pursuits. Those things being pushed to the back. It's not that they don't have a place anymore, but they're pushed to the back because the pursuit of God has to be first and foremost. When someone's in revival, they just cannot get enough of the presence of God. They just can't be in his presence too much. They just can't, they, they can't get along. They just can't get along. They have a sense that I cannot survive if I don't have God's living, vibrant experience. I have to have a fresh interaction with God all during my day. That's what revival does. Well, over time... Over time, it's easy to lose that focus. Time has a way of doing things. Time has a way of wearing on people. And, and like I said, over time, you can lose that intensity. And you can lose the, the intensity of that desire. And other things can begin to waft their way back in and, and take uh, set up, set themselves up you know, in your lives. And, uh, and, and, and I don't know of a season in the year that that's more likely to happen than the end of the year. And, and I'll be honest with you, just even, even in my own life, the last few weeks, I've had more unusual things to do than I've, than I've ever had before. Any Christmas Eve, I've just, it's just like, just stuff coming up. And, and, and I've even sensed in my own self a sense, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, I've let some things take, get back on top again that I, that I don't need to have on top. I've got to have the pursuit of God and the presence of God on top. That has to be on top of everything else. Amen. And so uh, the spirit of revival is in our church. But we have to continually stir ourselves up. We must continually stir ourselves up. We must renew our consecrations. I remember Dad Hagen used to always preach on, on prayer. And when he preached on the prayer of consecration, he said, you know, that's not, one, that's not a prayer you just pray one time, like the prayer of faith. You pray the prayer of faith for one thing, you know, and you pray it one time and you believe you receive it. He said, but the prayer of consecration is a prayer you pray over and over and over again and again throughout your life. He said you will always have to have a heart of consecration. And uh, we have to renew those things. We have to renew our consecration. We have to renew our, our uh, pursuit to make sure that, that everything else is, is kept in its proper place 
and, and that we're more interested in God and the presence of God in our lives than anything else. I, I read Charles Finney's autobiography a number of years ago. If you've never read it, I encourage you to read it. It's tremendous. Charles Finney was a revi- one of the greatest revivalists that's ever lived. He held revivals in America back in the mid-19th century that historians credit as the, the most successful revivals that anyone has ever had in church histories, in church history. They, historians say that more people who came to Christ during Finney's revivals, that the, the highest percentage, a greater percentage of those who were saved under Finney's ministry went on to live for God, you know, productive, consistent lives for the rest of their lives, a greater percentage than in any other revival in history. He had phenomenal revivals all through New England and in places uh, uh, like that. And he had a man that went with him. And his name was Father Nash. And Father Nash went with him and prayed uh, about revival. And Finney was a man of prayer. And, And he made this statement about revival and about the presence of God and about prayer, he said that he had, he had discovered, he said, I discovered that if I lost the spirit of prayer, even for a day, I found it impossible to win souls. If I lost the spirit of prayer, even for just a day, he said, I, I found it impossible to win souls. That tells us how much the, the presence of God, how important it is in fulfilling the plan of God. And, and there's a plan, and the plan is revival. And God sends revival to the church, not just because, one reason God sends revival, and I've said this before, is because Christians backslide. And, and, it's, and it, it's, it's happened to people throughout time. People backslide, God sends revival. But that's not the only reason he sends revival. God sends revival in order to reestablish some things that even that entire generation is not aware of. So it's not a matter of personal backsliding always. It's a matter of God restoring some things in the church that need to be restored that, that have been here in the past but maybe the church hasn't been aware of for, for, for centuries. You think, you think about the Pentecostal revival in, at the turn of the 20th century. Pentecost was in the church at the beginning, but the church lost it. And there were people in, in the days of the, of the late 19th century, early 20th century, there were believers who loved God with all of their heart. And many of these people were holiness people. They, they, they believed in living close to the Lord and forsaking everything to follow after the Lord. And, and their hearts were pure and they're right. They weren't backslidden, but they were missing something. And God sent this revival to restore that to the church. And, and other revivals have happened. God sent a healing revival in the 1940s and 50s to restore the ministry of divine healing. Now, people were being healed before that. It's not that no one was being healed, but it, it, the church, even the Pentecostal church, didn't have a revelation. They didn't have an understanding of the importance and the place 
that healing has, the ministry, and it was all about the ministry of healing. The healing revival was about more than people getting healed. The healing revival was about establishing the ministry of healing in certain offices, that God would raise up men and women to flow in certain offices, and that, that there was a healing ministry that was part of that office. And God restored that truth to the church. That's, why, that's another reason why God brings revival to the church. God sends revival to restore some things. And there, there are, uh, you know, I talked about the coming restoration. I preached, you know, uh, several messages on that. God's wanting to restore some things in the church. Some things that we have some insight about. But God wants to give us so much more. And there is a level, there is a level of Holy Spirit power. There is a level of the anointing. There is a level of, of uh, the, uh, the operation of the Spirit of God that we haven't seen yet. Hasn't been seen since the days of, of the first century. The, the very first century of the church. Hasn't been seen since then. If you study church history, you'll see that, that the power very quickly waned after the first century. And people have thought because of that, well, when the last apostles died, then the power went away. That's not what happened. The power left because people backslid. And so, so uh, the, the power that was manifested in, in the book of Acts that we read about uh, that level has not been seen again, not in its fullness. Ministry gifts, gifts of the Spirit, the authority of Christ, the power of Christ, the character of Christ, all of that God is restoring. Hallelujah. And we all have a part, a very vital part, a very vital part. God has... has has added this to our assignment because we are to be a minister and a witness and a witness of the things which we have seen and of the things he said that I will yet reveal. Well, he has yet revealed this to us, hasn't he? He has shown us some more. And not just us. Don't misunderstand me. It's not just us. It's other people, other congregations, other church leaders. Uh, and I've said this over and over again. I, I'm in touch with ministers, and I and and I hear you know from from uh, uh, you know through the ministerial grapevine. You know, you hear about the thing. You just know what's going on. You know, you know a lot. I know preachers all over this country, and uh, and I'm telling you, God is is giving this message to more and more and more and more people. Glory to God. But we have our part to play, and uh, we have to. We have to pray about that. We have to pray about our assignment. Amen. Be diligent. Be faithful to our assignment. Glory to God. But, but it all comes back to the, the foundation of our personal relationship. That's, that's the foundation for all of it is revival in me. Revival in my heart. That's what we all have to have. We have to make that number one. Don't let it, don't let it slip. Don't let, it, don't let anything else get in the way. If you sense some things you know, that are getting out of order and out of the priorities beginning to get mixed up again, just say, no, you don't, no, you don't, no, you don't. 
just for that devil. I'm just going to consecrate myself. The next day, I'm just going to pray and fast and seek God and pray in tongues and, 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 and lock myself away. I know you're not going to take my revival away from me. Glory to God. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a great, great time. Woo, hallelujah, it's a great time. An awesome, tremendous, glorious time to be a part of God's plan. Oh, hallelujah. You know, the plan of God has, this is not just a plan. The plan that God has for the church is, is God's had the same plan for the church from the beginning of the church. We're just coming to the point right now. We're coming to the, to the consummation of this plan, the, the pinnacle of this plan, where, where the plan of God for the church is going to be realized. Oh, hallelujah. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about? We're coming to a time, praise God, that everything that's been prophesied, that's why in, in, in Acts, he said that all of the things spoken, Times of restoration of all of the things that have been spoken from the very beginning. Oh, hallelujah. God's restoring. We're, what a time. What a time. What a time. What a time. What a, what a, what a time to, to be privileged. What a privilege to be in this time. And, and what a what a time to make sure, make sure that you don't miss out. That, you, that you're in the flow of the Spirit 100%. This would be the worst time of all to miss out on what God's doing. I mean, it'd be the, just the most ridiculous time. It'd be the dumbest day of all for somebody to miss out on what God's doing right now. I mean, miss out on Star Wars if you have to, but don't miss out. Listen, miss out on things of this world, but don't miss out on revival. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. And there's nothing wrong with going to see Star Wars. I saw it. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I tell you what. All, I'm telling you this, while I was watching Star Wars, I was thinking about revival. <laughs> I was, I honestly was. I was just thinking about, oh God, oh God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Let's just lift our hands and thank you. Oh, Father, we thank you for your goodness. Oh, we thank you for your love, Father. <laughs> oh, we thank you, Lord, for your sweet spirit. Glory to God. You filled us with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Given us a heavenly vision, a heavenly calling. Oh, and it's for these last days. Father, in ourselves we feel insufficient. But we know our sufficiency is not from ourselves. Our sufficiency in these things, Father, is from you. From, from you and your spirit and the word that you've put in us. That's what makes us sufficient as able ministers of this new covenant. Glory to God. Able to flow with the spirit in the Nesikajisa. Sefefi Mamahasa. 
Sejefa Fepiapa Lenessa, Sereta, Estherekeya, Mahamahama Resesta, Perefa, Andra Mundra Ah, Yesh Maha, Mahashikia, Tekopara Bahasa, Neneradafa. To flow with the Spirit of God, the ability to move with the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, discerning the direction of the Spirit. And not just tagging along behind, but working together in harmony with the moving of the Spirit is the essence of revival in these last days. To flow with Him totally yielded, totally submitted so that His breath becomes yours. So that the desires of the Spirit are immediately picked up and you express those desires and act on the promptings of the Spirit. That is what revival is. So yield yourself to the Spirit of God. Yield yourself to the promptings, those innermost stirrings on the inside, pulling you in this direction or in that direction, leading you here and there. Yield to those things and see the glory that will result. For there is glory. There is glory. Much glory to come. And you'll see it as you yield yourself to the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Do you have something? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Bantale gebo sunga de ejo sombra, menchon sakalege udombra agesomba, ivra kado jasalebekine, o shaladede, monchingra manga hedoso, inso kevede ijisa, kajobode elanga sombe, ivra hade. For there is a fresh wooing of my spirit. There is a fresh drawing of my spirit. And do not turn aside from that drawing that's coming from the inside. For that is my spirit drawing you once again. Oh, that is my spirit pulling you in closer. Drawing you to a higher place. Taking you into a higher place in me. So yield yourself to that drawing. Yield yourself to that wooing. For I am chasing after you. And as you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. And as you draw a little closer, responding to that draw that's on the inside, it allows me to draw even closer to you. And for the fullness of what I want to do in you and through you, oh, just yield to that wooing that is happening even right now, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Pastor Greg, you anything? Hallelujah. Glory to God. That wind is blowing. Hallelujah, it's blowing. Praise God. Morgan, you have anything, minister? Hallelujah. You sure? Praise God. <laughs> Come up here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. One thing that when I was standing there that came to me, of course, having about to have our third child, I said to God, I said, God, teach me 
how to teach my kids how to live with the spirit of revival. I want my kids to flow with it. Not just mom and dad. And the things my husband and I, we've been talking about miracles in our home. We talk about miracles all the time. My kids hear us talk about miracles. My kids hear us talk about Brother Hagen. My kids hear us, uh, when they know when Pastor Angela and uh, uh, Pastor Anderson, they come to the church and we have meetings. These are special times. And these uh, ministers that are being raised up to bring the message for this era, it's important not just to us, but I'm teaching my kids it's important to them. And uh, they've got a part. I love when Pastor Anderson was talking this morning about a part. Everybody has a part. And so my responsibility, uh, not just in the ministry, but as a, a parent, is to teach my kids you have a part. And to hunger for revival. Be hungry. This is not just our mommy and daddy's uh, and nanny's revival. And for the adults, this is for the children. They've got a part through prayer, uh, through, through the gifts of the spirit, laying hands on the sick. Uh, and so I would encourage anyone uh, in here, younger, older parent, um, teach your children to hunger for the move of the spirit and desire the move of the spirit and every opportunity that they have a prompting on the inside to yield to that. Amen. That's Amen. why I, I'm standing here today is because I have pastors that always flow with the move of the spirit and parents that flow with the move of the spirit. So when the prompting came for me to fulfill the call, I was able to fulfill it because I was used to yielding to the spirit. It was easy. Amen. But I said, God, I want to teach. I want to be the mom that teaches my kids, not just to love the Lord, but to love him and love the moving of the spirit. Amen. Love what he wants to do in the revival. Amen. Nothing is too hard. Genesis 18, when uh, Jesus came and uh, talked to Abraham about what he wanted to do through Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah stood behind the door when Jesus said, you're going to have a child. It said she laughed to herself. Yeah. And she didn't know. Jesus knew she laughed to herself. And he called her out yeah. and said, you laughed yourself. No, I didn't. She denied it. And he said, the Amplified said, is there anything too hard or too wonderful for the Lord? Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. There's nothing too hard. There's nothing too wonderful. This revival is light and easy, and it's going to be so wonderful. But you have to yield yourself. You make it hard on you. Struggling. Do I go with it? Do I not? Do I do this? Do I do that? It's not too hard. It's light and easy. Just get in the flow. When Pastor Anderson says we're, we're having prayer. Just get in the flow. Yeah. It's easy. It's difficult when you don't go with the flow. Amen. Yeah. It's easy when you go with flow. Faith is easy. Believing God's easy. Trusting God is easy. If you're having difficulties believing God, you might not be in the flow. Just get in the flow. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's easy. There's Amen. nothing too hard and nothing too wonderful. Amen. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Great things are happening. Great things are happening. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. Get in the flow. Get in. Get right in the middle of it. Amen. Glory to God. Just work your way right in the midst. I'm just going to get right in the middle of it. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.